The temps are warmer, you've mowed the lawn, and maybe even turned on the AC a time or two. It's definitely spring. So SpI.com is having their spring sale. Log on now and get local deals up to 50% off before they're gone. SpI.com. This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Uh, Doug Brown, I'm just going to read uh, the thing, the Illinois Manufacturer Association. Let's start with this, and I'll try to stop every once in a while and you comment. Illinois Manufacturer Association is calling on the state to take steps to minimize the impact and cost of potential disruptions at the electric grid this summer. How much importance can the state do in this? What can or can they not do? I think state needs to take a look at what we need long term. Uh, you know, it's it's the the fact that there's no you know deregulation basically changed everything. You know, uh, you know quite a few years ago, where <clears throat> the investor-owned utilities cannot own generation so that reliability component is is not there there's no there's no reliability or capacity requirements in illinois and i think that really needs to be a close look at to try to you know basically try to figure out how we're going to maintain base load generation because with the coal plants retiring um it's 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 a game changer with the with the you know as fast as that's it's really actually occurring now uh they talk about the possibility of rolling blackouts uh we talked a little about this differentiate for me between a brownout and a blackout uh and what are we possibly going to experience so a brownout is basically a low voltage condition that actually damages equipment that's usually an equipment malfunction like a transformer um that would uh you know cause that that condition to occur um we we you know we, we want to avoid that as all possible um blackouts though uh again that means you're out of power so a rolling blackout is something that, um, you know, it's basically a controlled, uh, temporary controlled outage is what they, you know, the technical term. <laughs> and uh, that's going to be rolling, you know, customers offline, basically out of power for, for us. It's only 15 to 20 minutes. We're concerned about the impact to our customers. Um, and other utilities are probably going to be up near, near towards an hour. And uh, it's just the way our system's designed. We can, we can hit uh, smaller circuits and, and do more frequency um, of that to try to reduce the impact to everybody. How often will might that hurt occur, those 15-minute blackouts? Well, it, it's really, it's it depends upon MISO. Um, they are the reliability coordinator for the grid. Uh, it's a regional grid, so it's it's not just the city of Springfield that's going to experience this. It's, it's multi-states. Uh, there's basically nine states that are in the warning from, uh, from MISO. And... Uh, uh, as a reliability coordinator, um, they have that power to say, you know, we need to shed load, which means really rolling blackouts. So it's really when, whenever the it's going to be the hottest day of the year, uh, when the generation that's out there is not a, uh, quite enough to meet what that, that growing load is, you know, getting up to. Uh, the Manufacturing Association says the state should try to persuade several current power generation plants that are slated to close this year to remain open and should divert funds set aside for clean energy transition projects and use that money instead to make rebates to customers. Um, are there a lot? Could you just go to a generation plant and say, hey, change your course of action? You don't need to close? I think uh, reliability-wise, there's ways to, to make that happen. Um, but, uh, you know, actually providing them funds to try to keep them open longer term might be, a, you know, a solution. Uh, it would have been nice if we would have had that uh, this discussion, you know, years ago. We've pretty much talked about this for quite a few years, I think, um, that this transition to renewables uh, needs to be 
you know, at a very steady state pace uh, and not done too quickly. Otherwise, you're going to have, you know, issues like this. <clears throat> that, that appeared to be one of the keys, I would think. There are people, and, and I think we're heading in that direction. Right, wrong, we can debate that. But I think so many of the proponents almost wanted it overnight. They wanted full throttle from zero to 100 overnight. I think a lot of people said, look, let's do this incrementally. We'll get there, but it may not be this year. It may be five years, but we are going to get there. Was that just that difficult to persuade people to be a little patient on this thing? I, I think so. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the general uh, feel of it was that, you know, utility companies, you know, which are the, you know, the technical people in the field weren't really being listened to. Um, and that's unfortunate. And, uh, you know, we're all trying to go to the, you know, cleaner energy, but it's it's on a, a timeline that's that's doable. I mean, we need to be reliable, resilient, um, affordable, responsible. We can't just forget about one of those components. Um, it's it's important that way. And, and even now, the market, I mean, we were looking at trying to do solar, and we had all kinds of issues uh, through this COVID pandemic thing that basically caused those, you know, those those prices, I guess you might say, for long-term agreements to really go up pretty much. So uh, we don't want to overpay for, for solar. And uh, just like with the wind contracts, we ended up, you know, buying those um, at a higher dollar and then prices fell. So for, you know, 10 years, our customers paid an extra $130 million, so we didn't need to. So we want to be very cautious on, you know, anything that we get long-term. Solar does match up with what we have for our generation uh, mix that we currently have uh, to kind of give us just a little bit more. Um, but uh, we're also looking to add another generation, too. Uh, we're looking at uh, basically adding some diesel generators uh, of uh, under 25 megawatts because that's the, the new law. Um, it says you can you know install anything under 25 megawatts, even though it's probably less efficient to install four of those, let's just say, than a 100-megawatt one. Sure. Um, but you can't do that. Um, so we're going to install smaller ones so we can black start essentially the city of Springfield. Doug Brown, CWLP chief utility engineer is with us. If five years ago we'd have been sitting here and I mentioned the word brownout for CWLP customers coming down the road, what would have been your reaction? Well, I would say you know, for blackouts or blackouts, um, I'm yeah, sorry, blackouts, rolling blackouts. Um, you know, I, I would say that, uh, it would pause for concern. I mean, it, but it doesn't change the message that we probably have had for quite a while and uh, trying to, uh, you know, keep bigger, larger generators around. Um, it's harder for us to do, like with our older units. Um, we, we make up a small fraction. You know, we're a small fish in a, in a, in a, in a big pond here. And <clears throat> we're, we're looking at 5,000 megawatts short uh, this year, 11,000 11, next year, and like over 25,000 the following year. So in comparison to what our generators are, you know, we're our load for the city of Springfield, uh, what we're expecting as a peak this year is like 360 some megawatts. So that's, that's just a small piece of their overall puzzle. Um, so we need these large, large coal units, uh, thermal units just kind of stay online long enough to, to allow that transition to, to renewables. What's the future of Dolman 4? Dolman 4 is looking pretty good. Uh, you know, we fought hard last year, um, again, along the same line of, of thinking about reliability and affordability and those things. And uh, we were able to keep Unit 4 basically online until 
2045, it does get a reduction in its load capacity because of the of the new law in 2038. So I would I would assume that we'll seek to try to get that waived at that point if things don't change. Um, but our carbon capture projects is another another item that we're pretty proud of. That uh, you, you know CBLP has always been on the forefront of environmental uh, technologies and improving things and trying to show the world that carbon capture you know can work. And uh, uh, we're, we're planning on uh, groundbreaking on that later this into the summer, early fall, and that's going to be a, a pretty big project, I think, to, to, to be able to show the world that. And it's going to be an economic driver too for Springfield. It's going to bring a lot of a lot of companies to to this area to to see what's going on. The Manufacturers Association talked about increasing costs and rates for consumers. Uh, what would cause that if this blackout situation continues? Why is that inevitable? That consumers are going to pay more. Yeah, so I mean, the way the markets work, um, there's there's some factors that have occurred. You know, the I mean, the natural gas prices have increased dramatically, so energy prices are increasing in the electric market. Um, with all the plants that have you know basically pulled out of the capacity market to say they're going to retire, um, that's basically took the capacity prices and increased them dramatically. And uh, Amron, I think they had come out and said that they're. they're they're going to increase their average customer bill by about $48 per month. Um, ours for capacity, we had to buy a little bit in the auction because we, we have a lot of, you know, our unit four acts as a shield and our, and our peaking turbines as well for capacity because it, uh, you know, that, that creates a lot of value, you know, for us. But then we hedge with purchases that we can get in the market as well. And then what's left is a little bit in the auction. So we're looking at only you know, less than a few dollars a month for increase for, for the capacity part. What played into this statement? And you can take as much time or maybe the highlights. 25, 30 years ago, a lot of us who've been around forever was pride that the cheapest utility rates in the state of Illinois were CWLP, the cheapest electric water rate, state of Illinois, CWLP. That was the mantra we hung on CWLP. Everybody's proud of it and so on and so forth. What happened? Well, you know, through the years, uh, you know, there's been quite a few different things. I mean, the uh, something I don't like to talk about, but um, I, mean, I was at the utility, but I wasn't really in. I wasn't in any position to be in charge or anything. But Understand? Like the, uh, the, uh, the 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 energy trading fiasco. That, you know, that was a big hit okay. to the bottom line. I sure. think you know back then, um, and then uh, you know all the environmental regs too that came along through the years. It's a great thing, but it did increase costs to, to operate coal. And we burned Illinois coal trying to keep jobs in Illinois. Um, that was more expensive. A, a lot of other, you know, coal plants switched to Western coal. Um, we kept it here, but again, as things it, it kept increasing environmental regs, it made the operation of those units even more costly. And then, you know, the natural gas prices kind of came in and basically kind of uh, destroyed the market pretty much. And you had power prices uh, that were so low that, 31, 32, and 33 were basically losing money for for, for a few years there. And, uh, you know, we, when we came in and looked at that, we, you know, I remember working kind of with the city council and questioning, you know, like, well, why are these units costing so much, you know? And so we did an integrated resource plan, looked at that, and it was determined that, yeah, where prices are at, where they projected them to be from different market consultants, that basically we should be retiring those units. And then the and the future cost too um, for environmental compliance 
when you're looking at maybe 50 to $100 million in expenditures, that's a lot of money to raise rates for. Um, and not really knowing that the market's going to be there to support the unit in the future or basically the legislation. We can see the writing on the wall that basically the you know legislation in the state and at the federal level, the pol- energy policies at the state and federal level were driving coal plants to closure. So, you know, it was determined by everybody that we should retire those those three units. Um, you know, for sure, I mean, if we would have known the prices would have t- like they are right now today, we probably would have hit pause on that and, and, and try to get by and, and, until we are forced to do the environmental compliance upgrades. There are people, I'm not sure many, but it's always been a th- Would we be, how do you react when people said CWLP ought to get it, city ought to get out of the, of the utility business and sell it to a private enterprise? Let Ameren or somebody else run the water and electric uh, providing for Springfield. How do you react to that? Well, I mean, just real quick on the water, I guess, is that we got the lowest rates in the state. Okay. So, uh, you know, I don't understand that that would be uh, very illogical. Well put, absolutely. Um, electric, you know, I think we're doing, we've done quite a bit in the last, since 2015, to try to, you know, chart the right path to a cleaner energy future. Um, you know, other utilities, you know, aren't doing that. We're, we're the ones providing reliability for the city of Springfield. So, as an example, something that we're going to be able to do um, that's, you know, that other towns that maybe are served by an investor-owned, um, we have Black Start capability. So what that means is that if if, <clears throat> if there's a, a grid-wide out, uh, outage, so it's a total blackout of the whole system, it, like on the East Coast, that happened in 2003, and it took a couple days to essentially get that back. We would basically island ourselves from the grid, and Black start Springfield and get Springfield back online where everybody else is still out. Doug Brown is with us, Chief Utility Engineer, CWLP. Um, however you want to handle this, percentages, whatever the case might be, there are some aldermen who are very concerned, and maybe all aldermen very concerned. Their constituents are concerned. Do you think that blackouts are a probability, a possibility, not like where do you think we are with people planning and again how much warning will they have will they will they be the entire city impacted let's assume there is uh, my original question is where are you at as far as probability or possibility well okay so let me let me let me couch that just with a statement sure. that that uh, they, that MISO and the I guess the independent market monitor uh, made at a testifying uh, hearing for the ICC uh, they basically said that there's less risk this year because the plants that are uh, pulled out of the capacity market aren't actually retired this year. Okay. They can still run. Okay. So with power prices the way they are, I'm sure they're going to still run. So they think it's less likely that it'll occur this year. Next year, however, those plants will be retired, and then it'll be a problem. Um, so I think there's more risk next year. I think there's still a chance this year, but there's other factors that go into play too. Uh, there could be you know, a major major plant that's offline, maybe it tripped offline, there's some equipment failure, transmission lines could be out of service, uh, maybe because of a storm and there's damage. So there's all kinds of different things, plus weather. You know, if it's very, very hot, um, everybody's running their AC units, um, you know, it's going to be a factor in when that might occur. So, I I mean, there's still definitely a possibility that could occur this summer, but I think we're looking more towards next summer is the, the bigger issue. 
have we decided, will it be citywide? Will it be certain sections of the city? How often is it likely to happen? Is it going to be every day, once a week? Uh, again, it depends on all the conditions of the of the electric grid. Okay. And when MISO orders it that we have to shed load, that's when we would perform our rolling blackouts. But first, you know, the first step, I guess you say the rolling blackouts are our last resort. You know, right. I want to make sure that's really pretty clear. Sure. Um, but we turn on our, our, our peaking units. Then we ask the public to conserve. And then we perform the rolling blackouts. And the way that does is the dispatcher uh, basically looks at what the requirement is from MISO to shed load, what the quantity is, and starts looking at all the circuits that are available and starts, okay, well, we're going to go from this one to this one to this one to this one. And they're going to do that in 15, 20-minute type increments. If I have a gas power generator, am I impacted? No, I mean, you're, 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 you know, any kind of a backup generator you're going to have in your home, you'd be able to, to, to keep, you know, your home powered up really? uh, during that time frame but again we're talking 15 20 minutes I understand it's not you know, so it's yeah, not, I not want to go out and make that investment at the moment right i mean it's it's it is a very small duration and um you know our typical outages i think last just under an hour yeah um you know for storm damage and those kinds of things um so it's not like you know people aren't used to some level of that but we do have pretty reliable uh uh you know, power here in Springfield. What's the biggest misperception, people? Joe Taraski, be right with you. I promise Taraski meets waiting. Please, Joe, be patient with me. What is the biggest misperception people have right now of the situation? You know, I think one of the biggest ones is that they think that the city of Springfield can somehow uh, fix the problem. And, uh, you know, you know, city and power, um, we, we can't build enough generation uh, to overcome this, this, this issue. Uh, the only thing that we can do is, uh, you know, keep planning what we're doing uh, to protect, uh, you know, our, our citizens, I guess you might, our, our customers from uh, the, the increasing prices of the energy markets. So that's why we, you know, we have Unit 4. That's why we do short-term and long-term purchases um, to try to hedge that to where we can protect ourselves as much as possible. Uh, you know, that's, I think that's probably the, 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 the biggest misconception. And I think that, you know, in fact, the city council really can't do anything about it either. So, you know, when people call them, it's 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 not going to fix anything. This is a regional, statewide, multi-state issue, and it's the state and federal policies that really have to change in order to fix things. Um, on a different, the lake at Full Pool. Everybody happy with the lake? Are you letting water over the dam? Yeah, the, the lake's doing well. Uh, you know, it's I, I, we keep seeming to get timely rains, so that's not going to be a problem right now anytime soon. Um, so. Yeah, I think that that's going well. Okay, final question, and maybe on a more positive, uh, how have you been able to maintain the lowest water rates that anybody has seen? What's our secret there? What are we doing? Well, you know, it's it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the the water department's doing, they've done an outstanding job with, uh, I mean, they went through over $50 million of upgrades at the water plant, uh, you know, and uh, I guess it was like 2012, era right um you know they had they they actually raised rates uh prior to that for that um and we're still the, the cheapest you know around but we also need to be cautious on uh and you know investing in our system in our infrastructure and uh, through the, the basically the distribution system our water mains um you know there's uh those kinds of things that need to be done and uh uh, you know, the water to fund is running very tight, though, on funds. Um, you know, I've been in front of the council on that before, uh, you know, warning that, you know, a, a rate increase eventually will come. Um, 
and but we're going to try to keep managing things. We've refinanced bonds. We've gotten grants. Um, uh, you know, we've done everything we can to try to manage the ever increasing costs um, and chemical costs for you know running a water plant, a treatment plant is is uh, really impacted the budget. Final question. I promise. I keep saying that. Um, <laughs> Lake two. Give me an update. Where are we at? Any update, any more optimism, any more deci- close to making a decision? Well, we've met recently with the Army Corps uh, of Engineers, and uh, I would say the meeting was okay. It, it wasn't uh, it wasn't necessarily great, but um, you know they they want us they want to revamp some scope. Um, so we're we're looking at that, and then we'll uh, be you know bringing that to the council to, to for for discussion to see if, if that's something they want to pursue or not. Um, but there is some rev- revisions on some things. Um, but looking at Hunter Lake, I, I you know, looking at the alternatives, those kinds of things, <clears throat> it, uh, you know, as the mayor always kind of says that, you know, the, the, the resource of the future is water. I think that that's, uh, you know, pretty timely message when you think about electricity and what's going on right now and right. what happens when you don't have enough. Um, so water is definitely a much worse situation and you need to plan for the future. When you plan for the future, it's not 10 years, you know, in the future, it's not 20, it's a hundred years in the future. It's longer term that you need to think about. So it's, it's the wise people that, that, that sit down and, and make those hard discussions, even though it does cost more money to, you know, build that type of infrastructure. Um, it can go a long ways though, to, to, to you know, to the, the future betterment of Springfield. Thanks for coming in, my friend. Good to talk to you, and thanks for clearing up a lot of things, and hopefully people learned something today. I'm sure they did. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate it. Doug Brown stopping by to say hello. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.